Our main text is taken from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8. And the title of the message is this book. Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua 1, 8. Joshua 1, 8. The word of God reads. We there. I'll open our Bibles. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It says, But you shall what? Meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, that for then you will make your way prosperous, and then what? You would have good success. Amen. I'm sure everybody wants to be successful. Amen. Here on earth. Am I right? Is there anyone that doesn't want to be successful? I'm sure everybody wants to make good success, great success. But one thing that we come to realize many a times is that everybody uh, believes that the success it is God that will just come and what? And just give you the success. Amen. But here the scripture is very clear. It says that as much as we meditate, it says this book of the Lord shall not depart from our mouths. But as we meditate in it day and night, and what we observe to do according to, not some, but it says according to all what that is written in it. It says for then you, it didn't say God, it says for then that you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have what? Good success. So it's not every prosperity is that is a good prosperity. Amen. It's not everything that is good is what? God. Amen. So this, we're talking from the Christian perspective. Because you see success out there. You see prosperity out there. But it doesn't mean it's a good prosperity. Because a prosperity without God is not a good prosperity. Amen. Because at the end of the day, you look at the man in the life, at the gates of heaven gates. You know, the, 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 the man that sat, the rich man that, that went to hell and the poor man, Lazarus, that went to heaven gates. The rich man was rich. He was prosperous. But that wasn't a good prosperity. The word of God says the blessings of the Lord makes rich and what it does not add sorrow. Amen. You see prosperity in the world this day, but yet the people don't have joy. So they depend on drugs to, to you know, to, on a high, uh, to, to kind of live the kind of life they want to live. Amen. Even though money is not an issue to them, but they lack something. They lack the God factor. But the prosperity that God is talking about from the Christian perspective goes back to the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8. Amen. goes back to the book. It says that this book for the Christian, it says this book. This book, it says, it shall not depart from your mouth. That's why Jesus Christ, when he was tempted, when he ever came to tempt him, you know, to, you know, to turn stones to bread that he may eat, he responded that man does not live by bread alone, but, but by what? But by every word that comes out from your mouth. And yet God is telling us that this book, this book shall not depart from our mouth. But it's something that we must. You know, when I look at the word shall, shall simply means that it's something that you have to do. It's not a suggestion, but it's something that as much as you want the godless 
success, godly prosperity. You know, he says it's something that you must have to do. Amen. That you shall must have to meditate in it. He didn't just say just meditate, but it says something there that we meditate in it in the day. You know, in, in the night, the time when we start the day, we meditate. When we go, so it's not about reading now. You know, when we read, it says you've read. That's why I said this book of the Lord shall not depart that we are reading. But besides reading, it says we're going deeper to meditate so that that word can take, it's in, the, it's in the place of meditation that the word of God takes roots in our soul. Amen. So if we refuse to, it never takes root, takes root in our soul. That's why the enemy can come and steal the word. Amen. When challenges come, it just comes and steals the word because the word never took root. But in the place of meditation, it takes deep root in our soul, in our being. And because it does take that, then the Bible says, because it has taken so much deep root in us, then we may now observe to do according to all. It didn't say some. We looked at open heaven this morning. You know, the next agenda, but, you know, talks about Jesus Christ coming again. He's coming for a church without spot, without wrinkle. The Bible here says that he didn't say some, but all, that we may observe all that is written in it. He says, then, after observating, observation, he said, then we shall make our way prosperous. Not just God, not God, but because the word of God is what is leading us, he says, then we'll make our way prosperous. Then we would what? Have good success. Last week, the Lord just showed me something, and in it, he just said, and that's how this word was birthed. He just said, submit to the word. I'm just writing it as I say, submit to the word, that is God, and great shall be your joy. He said, submit to the word, and he said, great word shall be your joy. Amen. So when we look at revelation, I mean, meditating, when we look at it in meditating, even before we sleep, it simply means that when challenges come, even in our subconsciousness, the word of God speaks on what on our behalf, even though we are not, we are not even we are, we are not conscious in that time. It's simply repeating the word of God in your soul over and over until it takes root and it becomes one with you. If we look at the story that we many a times, I mean, we know about the black soap. And, and, and the leaf, when you put, sooner or later, I mean, the black soap and the leaf, the black soap is put on the leaf. Sooner or later, after a long time, the black soap absorbs the leaf. The leaves absorb the black soap. They are intertwined. You cannot separate them. They become one. And that is what meditating, meditation on the word of God does. You become one in it. And once you become one in it, it becomes easy to observe, to do. It becomes easy to do because the word now is not living. And it's not powerful in you, as it is written, you know, in the book of Hebrews. It says, for the word of God is alive and is powerful. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It says, it expresses our innermost thoughts and desires. So the word of God is in as we meditate in this thing, and you know, it roots out the thing. When it says it, it, it expresses our innermost thoughts and desires, that means if there's a wrong desire, the, the word of God exposes, it eradicates. And he says, but it is sharper than any two edged sword, 
Not only just that it is sharper, but it says it is living. It is powerful. So when we refuse to, we are missing that part. But when we do, it says that word becomes living in our life. That means Jesus Christ, who is the word, becomes living. It's not just enough for us to say we are Christians. But the Bible says as well that the earnest expectation of the world, they're earnestly awaiting for the true manifest, they're waiting for the manifestation of the true sons of God. The world are looking. It's not just good enough that we call ourselves Christian. But the, God, the, Lord, the world wants to see the expression of who Jesus is. And the way Jesus can express is through the word. Because according to John 1, 1, he says the Lord is the word. The word in the beginning was the word, and the word was the God, and the, and, and, and the, word, I mean, and the word became all flesh. Amen. In verse 2 and 3. But what I'm going here is that the power of meditation here. A good example, you know, was I just look at, you know, a side example was like Moses, you know. Moses had a rod in his hand. He got to the Red Sea. And he was looking at God. How am I going to cross this Red Sea? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And the Lord spoke, said, what is in your hands? It was the rod. And I remember, it reminded me of a story of a gentleman in the United Kingdom. A friend of his was about to be deported many years ago. And in then, I don't know how deportation laws work right now, but then, you know, as if they catch an illegal immigrant, the way they caught the person is the way the person is going to go back home. So if they catch you with shirts, if they carry you in your home or wherever you are with just shorts and t-shirts and they lock you up, the next available flight, you go home with shorts and t-shirts. That is how. I don't know how it's been done now, but many years ago. And this guy is from a decent family. And this man of God just said, ah, he picked up his friend. He said, God, I don't want my friend to go back home in shame. He has a family here, but he's been deported. And he prayed. And said, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but we don't want him to be later. Yes, he needs to be deported. I mean, he broke the law, so he's going to be deported. It's not saying that God should flout the law for him. What is not saying that God let them release his boy to go back home. And the Lord asked him, what word are you standing on? That's all. What word are you standing on? And he said, oh, really, the importance of the word. And he took the word back to God. He took him and said, ah, Lord, Luke 137, which you nothing is impossible. Let them do the impossible, that they never release anyone. Let them release this brother. And true to it, the officer came and saw him. He said, you look like, I said, he said, this thing has never been done. But I don't know why I'm doing it. In, in United Kingdom, many years ago. He said, but you look like a good man. I will let you go home for a week. Put your house in order. Then come back. I will take you back home. Send you home. And lo and behold, that's what happened. So he released the guy for a week. It took a week to put his house in order. Came back and he was deported. Are you following what I'm trying to say? It's the word. God is saying, what word are you standing on? You see, when we say the word you are standing on, you see, I look at it as... If the word has not taken root, then it cannot bear fruit. So, if it cannot bear fruit, because if the word takes root in us and we stand in the word that has taken root in us, then when we speak it, it's the fruit that comes out. But if it has not bear fruit in us, what happens? When you speak it, fruit does not come out because it has not taken root. So, it is just like beating against the air. And you will say you pray, but the word 
Because when it takes root, it becomes revelational. Are you what I'm trying to say? It comes, it becomes, the, it transforms your thinking. It transforms your faith. It transforms your understanding. You know, it takes you to a level where you just know without doubt that this is God. It's not because somebody has said. You know, in, 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 in Psalm 103, the Bible says there that he made his way known. He said he made his acts known to the children of Israel and his way made known to Moses. So the children of Israel knew his acts, just like quoting the Bible. You can just come quote the Bible here. You know this is what the scripture says. <clears throat> Go. But no, no, no. With Moses was different. So children of Israel were different. Moses was different. Because Moses knew the word. But the children of Israel, they knew the acts of God. And in Christianity today, a lot of Christians, is the acts that they know. The word hasn't taken root. When the word takes root, it becomes easy to follow God. When it's just the act that is in you, it becomes difficult. You begin to follow the word of God in the flesh. That's why it becomes a thing of struggle. Are you what I'm trying to say? It becomes a thing of struggle because it has not taken root. You know, that's why sometimes people quote, I strive and I'm healed. Have you really meditated on it? That in Isaiah 53, verse 5, Isaiah 53, verse 5, says, By his stripes are you. He, what does he understand that he was wounded for our transgression? He was bruised for our iniquity. What do you really, have you meditated? Do you, do, when you go into the meditation, the meditation, in meditating, it takes you back to Christ. Sometimes when I meditate, the honest truth is that sometimes I fall into a trance. And sometimes I find myself in some places as if going back to a scenario. Even I'm trying to say, where certain things happen and it becomes living in me. Like I'm experiencing it. That's what meditation does. So you leave that moment. That moment becomes part of you. Then it bears fruit when you need it. That by his strife, what does it mean? I am here. People say it. People say it. People say it. But it doesn't work. Why? But when you meditate, take time, it becomes root. Then you know that truly by strife, I am healed. And when you speak the word. And one thing the meditation does, like Peter, when he followed Jesus Christ, you know, you know when we say by strife, I am healed, there are many ways that Jesus Christ healed a lot of people. But when you meditate in the word of God, you, found, you find different places because you don't know which word will speak for you today. You don't know which one. At the end of the day, today, Jesus Christ spoke the word and he healed. Tomorrow, he laid his hand. And he healed. Another day, he spat on the floor, took sand, and he healed. I even trying to say he did. Another day, he told they wanted to raise the dead, um, a young child, and, you know, and he told everybody. I think it was Jair, and Jairus' daughter told everybody to leave the room. Do you understand? And everybody left, and he raised the child. And Peter came too. Someone died. Docas in, in the book of Acts, um, chapter nine, verse thirty-seven to thirty-nine. Jesus, Jesus, Peter came too. Oh, because I've studied the life of Christ. I've meditated in the life of Christ. The Holy Spirit came through them. Yeah, this is what he ought to do. He took him. He repeated the same thing. Everybody leave the room. I even am trying to say. So he wasn't just guessing, just quoting. No, it was revelational. That is what he does. You know, so when we meditate, as it says in Romans chapter 12, you know, it transforms our mind. It transformed by the renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 1 verse 2. That's why sometimes people talk. You know, I laugh. You know, you see, when, you, when the word does not take roots in you, you can be blown like the wind, easily left and right. People come and bring a message today. You say, yeah, this is it. We run and follow it. Tomorrow they say, this is the way. You run again and follow it. Because the road has not taken roots. 
So you are neither here nor there because it has not taken root. You know, in, my, in reality, I remember when, you know, the, you know, they tell you, you know, they tell you tithing. You know, you, you, I, you, know, you know, then, many years ago, in Malachi, they tell you, ah, if you don't pay your tithe, ah, you rob God. You know, trouble is there, you know. So you pay your tithe out of fear. You pay not out of deep understanding that, I don't know what to say. So it's out of fear because people have quoted it, you know. And there was a movement then. A friend of mine too came. I mean, the minister of mine, even in this mission as well, came. You know, went to a place and said, Oh, you don't have to tithe. That I went to United States, went to Kenneth Copeland Ministry, then somebody, not Kenneth Copeland himself, but somebody within the ministry, one of these things spoke, Why you don't? And he came back, you know, started talking about it, that we had just been deceived. And to be honest, this was maybe like six years ago. Can you imagine? And I'm too, I was moved. Let me tell you, I was not confused. But that's reality. I was. I said, But this is what it was. Hey, but it. Me too. I was confused. I said, ah, what shall I do? Then I spoke to someone that I, that, like a mentor to me in the United Kingdom. And in the redeemed, he said, yeah, you don't have to. And you know, I'm like, ah, but you guys are the senior boys. I'm like, I was, because that word had not taken root in me. So as much as I started searching and asking God, meditating on it, and they were simple. I was just simply delivered. And... I got my own understanding, my deliverance, when the Lord took me to the book of Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Because when we study the word and we meditate, it takes root. And I read it from the, book, from the living NLT translation. It says, what sorrows await you teachers of religious law? And says, and you Pharisees. It says, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even in the tiniest income from your herb gardens. He said, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. He said, justice, mercy, and faith. He says, you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect what the more important thing. When I saw that, ah, Jesus said, because people say, ah, Jesus never said, ah, when I saw that myself, I meditated on that. He says, yes, you should, but don't, you know, don't do one without the other. Yes, I'm not saying don't, but... Most times you, you focus on the wealth. You focus on this. But more importantly, these things are what? They are very, very important. And that personally just delivered me. So it doesn't matter anybody comes. It has taken root in me. If I'm trying to say. So it's something that we need to. When Jesus talks about, he talks about faith. You know, in Hebrews 1, he talks about talking about people who meditate on what faith is, what Abraham had to do with. He says, without faith, it's possible to please God. Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 11. And I'm just trying to rush through because of time. In Hebrews chapter 11, he says what? That without faith, he says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. It says, through their faith, the people in those days, in, in, you know, they did great things. That's what they did. They did. So when you meditate what faith is, the, the understanding of what faith is become part of you. So meditating on the word of God takes deep roots in you. It's like when you meditate on what giving is, you begin to understand. In, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, you know, when I meditate, you go, many a times we don't study the word. You know, we, they, they come, you know, sometimes, you know, when I go to some, 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 um, some programs, they say it's time. I don't know why people preach, and that's me personally, to give an offering. Ah, is that how you give an offering? I don't have to come and, you know, come and preach. Ah, why you must give? You give. No, 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 no. You can only do that 
Because people don't, the people lack understanding. But for the mature Christian, it's offering time, it's offering time. Give. Are you following what I'm trying to say? Because, because they have, you know, they do those things because the people, the word of God has not taken root in the people. So therefore, what? They have to do all those things to kind of make the people to give. And for me, when I meditate on it, what is giving? So that I don't just give out of this thing. In 2 Corinthians 7 verse 9, it simply says, it says, and it says that now, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Amen. I think I've looked for the wrong... Is this 7 9? No. Uh, that's the wrong place. Amen. I think I was lost a bit now. Amen. I will look for the same. But, but what I was trying to, where I was trying to go to was when God was talking, Jesus was, the disciples was talking about, about how to give, that you give from a, from, um, from a joyful heart. You don't give grudgingly. Because sometimes we give out because people have told us to give. No, it has to be given freely, not from a grudging heart. Hmm? Nine seven. What did I say? I said seven nine. So it's nine seven. Thank you very much, sir. Second Corinthians chapter nine verse seven. It goes on. It says, "So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver." That's what he says. So, sometimes they come and preach, and out of necessity, out of compulsion, you give grudgingly because the message has gone. You don't get blessed because you've, do you understand where I'm coming from? You don't get blessed. I remember as a student, this was, um, I, was I don't think I was, maybe I was at university there, I'm not sure. I'm talking about 2000, maybe like 19, maybe like 2000, year 2000 or two, or 1990 now, year 2000. Imagine the student then. One man came to preach. I didn't understand. I had 500 pounds. 2,000 of I gave it all. That's the truth. I can't remember. For today, I can't remember. And when I go home, I, I, I asked myself that what really happened as a student. Are you what I'm trying to say? 500 pounds. They're about, child. But but that is what happened. I did not get one penny back. <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah. So when we say study, when we say that's why my one of my heart cries, especially this year, as we're saying them to take take us back to study the word. It is grilling, it takes time, it's a sacrifice. It's because it's for our own good. Because the Bible also tells us that in the latter days, it says even the elect, that means people that were heaven bound, will be deceived. And the reason why those people that were elect, that heaven bound, were deceived because the word never took root to them. That means they were supposed to make it to heaven. But they didn't pay the price to study the word. So therefore, somebody came and said something mm, and did some funny miracles. And because of those signs, they decided to jump ship. You know, follow what they have said. And they went to hell. That's what the scripture says. Because the word simply never took root in them. It profited them nothing. So it is in our own benefit. Because we are in the latter days. Things are happening. That's the truth. And we see churches today. You have gays. And you know. And it's, it's happening everywhere. 
and they will come. Gay priest ministers, gay priests, they will come and they will preach. And they will preach fantastic message. And they will do charity. They will do everything. Are you feeling what I'm trying to say? Because everybody is looking at good works. That's what the world is looking at. It's good works. No, no, no. It's not the thing of the word of God. So when we talk about the word of God, Jesus is the word. So when we meditate, every time we do so, we are increasing Jesus' capacity in our lives to operate and to do. It becomes easier for every one of us. You know, people always ask the question, what am I created here? You know, I was speaking to a sister yesterday, and I, and I think I was a little bit harsh. You know, later I had to repent. And she said, oh, that's what I bring to heaven. No, God, things are just fucked in this world. I say, yeah, and then just pray, Joe. Tell God to take you. I say, end of the day, someone will carry out your assignment. After Elijah came, he was tired. He prayed. And Jesus, he said, I said, ah, nobody's replaceable. But that's ritual or physical. That's the truth. I said, I'm sorry. Elijah, Elijah was replaced. And if it wasn't good enough, God told Elijah that uh, if the work that you, can't, you don't finish, Elisha will finish. And even Elisha cannot finish, he said, Jehu, we finish the work. Ah, I'm like, excuse me, God, <laughs> if Elisha whatever Elisha cannot complete, Jehu, somebody else will complete it. So, the, because the word of God is quick and powerful, when God speaks, his word never returns to him void. So, it must come to pass. Whether we play our part or we don't play our part, is what never returns to him void. So the essence, we do this thing for our own. So I told the sister that, look, look at it. We are, we are the clay. We are, he is the potter. I say, it sounds a bit harsh, you know. If you, look, if you read Isaiah 45, verse 9, and Romans 9, verse 21, Isaiah 45, verse 9, Romans 9, 21. I say, he is the potter. We are the clay. It doesn't matter how you put it. We are not here to live our own life as we really want to. You have the choice too, but there are consequences at the end. So you have to not choose. Are you not trying to say? There is just life. We are created here to give him praise. That's our own. We are created here to, for him to express himself through us. That's who we are. So the, the clay cannot command the potter. Are you not trying to say? No, that's how it is. And that is life. So I say, so let's wake up and let's do what we have to do. And the person was very upset. And I apologized later. I said, I'm sorry, but I'm just tired of all this complaint. Just get on with it. That's why I said, just get on with life. That is life. You know? So, we just have to get on with it. But one thing we need to do is, more than ever before, pray. You know, as we prayed earlier on, that the Lord will give us the grace to do what He will have us to do in the name of Jesus. You know? And so, round up. If you look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. The Word of God says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heaven laden. It says, I will give you rest. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. It says, for my yoke is easy and my body is light. You know, and I shared and I said, look, even Jesus Christ says, he's not free. He says his own too is light. It's easy, it's light. So we, we pay the price. That's the truth. It's just that one other one, the enemy one is very heavy and it's very, it's not light. But Christ didn't say, as you come to me, oh, it's just free sailing. No, 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 no. We too have to do something. So church, I encourage us. You know, to be honest, I struggle myself. Don't think that, oh, because he's a pastor. No, 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 no. Sometimes I struggle to read the word. There's some periods I don't feel like. And I go back and I really say, God, I don't feel like. But 
I know it is, it is, I know it is something that I have to do. It's beneficiary to me. So, Lord, grant me the grace. If it is too much activity outside, Lord, help me to silence all those activities and let me come because you are my strength. Are you what I'm trying to say? Uh, my strength shall no man prevail. My strength is in you. My grace is in you. My dependence is in you. For even to do everything the great is in you. So, therefore, I put you priority. Are you what I'm trying to say? Not any other person. And sometimes you get sidetracked. It's, it's just part of life. But we always have to remember where we are. And that's why it's good to be. Bible says, iron sharpened iron. We need to surrender ourselves with, with true friends that will tell us the truth. That's the honest truth. We don't have people. We have sacrifice, sacrifice. They don't tell us that it is. If you're backsliding, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. They don't say, patronize you. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I, no, no, no. We need people to tell us the truth so that we can keep moving forward. That's the truth. So I just pray that uh, the Lord will help us. His word is what, you know, the word is what saves. He sent his word. He delivered them from that destruction. He set them free. He healed. That's what his word does. And that is the thing that we need more than anything. This word is it, as we have read, as a roundup here. It says, when we do so, we, we read it. it. It doesn't depart from us. We meditate in it, not just day, but night as well. And we observe. It says, then we will make our way prosperous. And then we will have, we want good success. That's the truth. Every success is not a good success. We want a good success. And that's the honest truth. And I pray that the Lord will touch our hearts in Jesus now to take ourselves before God and just take ourselves and just pray right now. Father, just grant me the grace uh, to be willing to study. The grace that I need and to study, to meditate. The sufficient grace. Father, give to me in the name of Jesus Christ. Just come and help me. I need help in the name of Jesus. I need help to prioritize my time. I need help to put, uh, to put my life in the right track. Lord, come and help me. I know my prosperity, my success lies in your word. I know that it's, it's in my hands indeed. Uh, it is not about praying that uh, manna will fall from heaven, but I know that through your word I will make my way prosperous and I will have good success. But Father, help me to prioritize, to put your word first uh, before all else in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us pray that.